Welcome to the ICEF Exchange with me, Lucinda Bowden. In episode seven, we continue to explore the real life experiences of our colleagues across the international education industry. If you haven't yet had a chance to listen to our earlier episodes, please visit ICEF.com or subscribe via your favourite podcast player today for some fresh insights on how educators are engaging with agents during the pandemic and how students, agents and educators are planning for the rest of this year and into 2021. This week, we're taking a closer look at a critical aspect of student mobility, visa processing. Along with travel restrictions and outright border closures, visa processing, or lack thereof, has been one of the most challenging barriers to student mobility this year. We're now seeing a gradual reopening of services for a number of countries, and we're putting the focus today on three important European destinations. As always, there's a lot to discuss, and our host this week, Nick Stevenson, is going to lead our conversation. Nick is based in the UK as ICEF's Business Development Manager for Europe, the Middle East and Africa, and he joins us now. Thanks, Lucinda, and welcome everyone to ICEF Exchange. As Lucinda points out, visa processing has been one of the biggest issues in student mobility this year. The availability of visa services, plus any changes in visa policy, remain one of the biggest question marks in many destinations as we move towards the second half of the year. We are now seeing a number of major destinations, most recently Canada, Australia and the UK, reopen visa offices. Each destination will have a large backlog of files to work through, but the restarting of processing services means that progress can now be made and new visa applications can now be filed too. There's a lot of detail and a number of new developments to be discussed, and so we're going to put the focus on three important study destinations today, the UK, Ireland and Malta, and the ELT sector in each country in particular. To help us sort out the latest developments from each, we have three experienced colleagues joining us from around Europe. With me today is Hugh and Japes, Membership Director for English UK. James Perry, the CEO of Feltham, the Federation of English Language Teaching Organisations in Malta. And David Grady, who is the CEO of NEI Marketing English in Ireland. Okay, let's start with the current state of play for visa service in each of your countries. So perhaps give us a quick overview of uh, when and how visa services have reopened and what's happening with visa processing currently. Uh, James, could you give us a quick overview in Malta? Hi. Uh, yes, first of all, thank you for the invite. At the moment in Malta, the visa issue, in fact, I, I just spoke to the visa unit this morning just to make sure that we have the latest information. And they have informed me that the majority of the embassies worldwide are open and they started processing visas only for the safeguards corridors that were issued by the European Union. As you know, the European Union issued a safe corridor list. I believe there are about uh, 30-odd countries listed on the list, and they started processing visas. Uh, the only difference from previous years is that every visa now needs approval from Malta. So while the embassies are open and processing, however, n- none are confirmed. So they're doing it as a case-by-case basis. Okay. David, how does that compare to how things are in Ireland? We're a little behind in terms of weeks and months from most other countries. Our schools aren't really open yet. They don't open until next Monday, the 10th of August. Now, I mean, schools could have opened from the end of June. Um, one school opened last Monday, International House Dublin. Otherwise, schools are waiting until the 10th of August and many until the end of August. In terms of visas, all the embassies opened 
for business in terms of visa processing on the 20th of June. However, we have very strict regulations here about international travel, and there are mostly connected to quarantine. And there are 13 countries on what's we call the green list. In other words, you can travel to and from without quarantining when you arrive in Ireland. And many of those countries are in the EU, some are not. And that's the difficulty in that there is understandably a huge emphasis on public health. The 13 countries on this green list are those whose infection rate is the same as or lower than that in Ireland. So that's reviewed every two weeks. The whole emphasis at the moment in Ireland is in getting the state schools, primary schools and secondary schools, open the end of August. So there is a great fear domestically that there will be an infection rate high in Ireland. So we can't open the schools. So there is a, a huge emphasis on controlling international travel. And that's for us a big problem in terms of business. Obviously, public health is what matters. But in terms of being able to open with any sense of confidence. What schools are opening for is to continue teaching those students who were in class when schools closed on the 12th of March. Okay, Hugh, how does that compare to the UK? Is it, it's probably a bit more complex, fair to say? It's a complex situation, yes. I mean, most of the visa processing offices are now open to some extent. So some of them open on the 22nd of June, some on the 29th of June, others at various points within July. So if anyone wants to know about their status in their country, if they go to the, either the TLS or the VFS sites, you can get a list of what is actively open. However, quite a lot of visa processing centres are just dealing with back backlogs and so aiming to return passports with visas to those who were already in the system at the time of lockdown. Um, others are taking on new applicants obviously but uh, I, I guess we'll talk about quarantining in a minute but that's that's where the complexity comes in because you had the travel corridor announcement a couple of weeks ago which had a list of 59 countries and territories and uh, crown dependencies etc where people could come without having to isolate for 14 days now we seem to have what we call a kind of handbrake situation where suddenly new countries can be placed on that quarantine list so Spain last weekend, Luxembourg at the end of this week. There is concern, obviously, that certain other countries, perhaps Belgium, for example, will also be placed on that list, which means that if students were intending to travel from those countries, they would suddenly find themselves having to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah. So the UK has a constantly changing list of travel restrictions. Has Ireland responded with similar restrictions? Yes. Students can't arrive in Ireland yet. For the simple reason that, okay, with the exception of one school which has opened, I'm talking of MEI schools, I, I, I can't speak for other schools, but within MEI schools, visa requiring students are not allowed land in the country because all schools are offering only online provision. And in the visa world in Ireland, online provision isn't sufficient reason to be in the country. So people aren't allowed land if they come on a course that is in a school that is currently only offering online. So uh, it may change from next week when a lot of the schools start to reopen. But my own view is that politically, the government are going to put on all kinds of breaks to ensure 
that the infection rate in the country is kept very low so that schools, primary schools and secondary schools can reopen because they've been closed since the 12th of March. And, and that's the main political focus. Okay, so Ireland also has a shifting landscape of travel restrictions. Are we also seeing this in Malta? Okay, in Malta at the moment, as mentioned, if they are coming from the safe corridors highlighted by the European Union, till now there are no quarantine restrictions. Uh, quarantine is all only asked when uh, there is a case when they are coming out of the EU safe corridor list. In that case, they are requested to quarantine for 14 days. However, those cases are normally humanitarian cases or repatriation cases. Till now, they are not doing any quarantine restrictions. Obviously, as like in the UK, these may change any days. As like every other country, we get, I would say, daily updates, you know, of what's happening, then the amount of cases, the amount of infections. And um, any day this can change depending on uh, the situation. So it does look across the board, quarantine of new arrivals is one aspect to consider. Another is going to be visa policy changes. Uh, I gather there's been some recent developments on the visa front in the UK. Is that right, Hewan? Yes, there have. I mean, obviously, what we're dealing with is two things, the fallout from COVID and the lockdown and the visa situation that has been created as a result of that. And there have been some some concessions made. For example, anyone with a visa due to expire on or before the end of July can now stay until the end of August as a grace period. So essentially, people have got another month to leave. The idea being that if their visa has expired, they should leave as soon as they can. But the, the realisation is that they might have difficult getting a flight home so therefore that's one thing that has happened um, also a concession that was due to be in place till the end of July and I'm urgently asking the Home Office but I haven't got a reply yet as to whether they can do it in August as well is switching from a um, short-term study visa to a tier 4 visa so students could potentially do that as well so there's there's a couple of concessions there but in terms of the kind of future landscape for visas, obviously the main news is Brexit and the fact that the EU and EEA and Swiss students will come in under the underlying immigration rules. They will be treated as non-visa nationals. So if they're coming for stay of six months or less, they will not need to obtain a visa in advance or an entry clearance in advance of coming to the UK. However, you know, they will be treated just like any other non-visa national, like a Japanese student, for example. So that's the main change. One thing that is a positive piece of news in all this, though, is that at the moment we have two kind of visa routes for anyone from any country wanting to come for up to six months. Uh, one is the general visit visa and the other one is the student visa, the short-term study visa. Those routes are going to be merged in recognition of the fact that ELT students in particular act more like tourists. In other words, they'll be able to come on a standard visit visa, whether they're a visa national and have to get their entry clearance in advance, or whether they're a non-visa national. They'll come on a standard visit visa if they want to come for up to six months. They'll be able to go through the e-gate, so there won't be that confusion. They won't have to go and find a, a passport officer to sign a vignette in their passport. And they'll be able to variously study, travel. They won't be able to work under that route, but they'll be able to do anything else that they want to. And there won't be any time restrictions as long as they leave at the end of six months. So that's a really positive thing, which will mean that someone can come as a tourist, stay for a month um, traveling around and then decide that they want to study, then study for a couple of months in an accredited language school. But they do have to go to an accredited language school. 
So that sounds like some rare positive news on visa policy. Are there any positive developments from Ireland? Well, we've had some changes in that all visa-requiring students who were in the country at the time of lockdown, which was on the 27th of March, all of those students, irrespective of when their visas would have expired, have been extended to the end of this year, to the end of 2020, on condition that they remain in the school where they have been at the time the schools closed. So in other words, everybody, if your visa was due to expire, let's say in August or September, you will now get three or four months grace to stay in the same school until the end of the year, until you can then regularize whatever your situation would be. Either you finish and go home or you renew for another visa. Another change that has uh, happened was uh, until lockdown, online delivery wasn't regarded as a valid form of ELT delivery. So the visa of the immigration office then insisted on online delivery of programs. And that's the case. So now every school has to be and has to have been offering online to their students and keeping attendance for that period as well. From the end of August, I think from this day, four weeks, which I think is the last day of August, which is also the day when all state schools or hope to return, that's when our schools have to reopen in the sense that from the 1st of September, they cannot offer exclusively online delivery. It has to be face-to-face and blended. There has to be a combination where the students have to turn up in class in some shape or form for some percentage of time during every week. And that will be the new position from the 1st of September. In fairness, Uh, The visa officers in Ireland have been very helpful and very good in bending over backwards to facilitate students in terms of student welfare. I've been involved in lots of interdepartmental meetings and group sessions, and they have been, you know, in my view, uncharacteristically kind and helpful. So I think that has been a very positive outcome of this. So it looks as though both the Irish and UK governments are being uncharacteristically helpful towards overseas students. How does that compare to Malta, James? I must say that, yes, I have to echo what uh, my fellow colleagues are saying, in fact. We have seen aid of assistance. They were willing to help us out. Very similar to Ireland students that were stuck in Malta. And during our lockdown, as you know, Malta being an island, the airport stopped. Therefore, they could not get out of our island. Uh, they were given an automatic concession even if they stopped their studies. So if their studies are over, they were given also an automatic concession to stay until they have a flight back. So this reduced a lot of the pressure on the students, obviously, and uh, a lot of schools were helping out as well, helping with the accommodations to ensure that they are here. And similarly as well, there was a switch to uh, recognizing online studies where at the past this was not considered as an extension of visa reason. Nowadays, during our lockdown, during the airport was closed down, online studies was being recognized and visa extensions were being done based on that mode of studies. Now we are looking at 
everything coming back to normal uh, or trying to as much as possible. Since we are obviously offering, um, our airports are open, students are flying in, therefore visas are going through the normal visa process uh, that they need to attend the, the classrooms. If it's blended, it's fine as well. Attendance needs to be done. Uh, however, students who till now do not have flights back, like, for example, mentioning some areas in South America, are still okay with the extension that was given during lockdown. Well, we didn't have a lockdown, really. The airport lock that was closed. So uh, during that time, if they got an extension, they are still fine until everything is, they can have find a safe flight home. Okay. Uh, as we head towards the end of the year, what do you see as the biggest student visa issues affecting international students arriving in Malta? I think, obviously, the biggest issue that we are seeing mainly is the issuing of visas for South America, I must admit. Normally, end of August, September will be the time where we get quite a lot of South American students, uh, which obviously assists our ELT schools during the winter times. The fact that obviously there is no control yet on uh, South America with regards to the COVID-19, this is a big uh, issue. Uh, the second issue that we are seeing as well is the fact that till now they are at the case-by-case basis. Bear in mind, while the visas are being issued, they are still being based on a case-by-case basis. They are not as they were before, so numbers are obviously limited. We do understand the situation, but obviously that is a limiting factor for our schools to function at a better capacity. So it sounds as though some further changes are probably needed in Malta. Kieran, you've highlighted some positive actions of late on UK visa policy, but is there anything in particular that could be addressed? The main issue, I would say, is that all these students who are due to come, you know, during the period of lockdown, so maybe they had a visa starting in March, which expires in October, and they've got a six-month entry clearance. They're not, uh, and those that are not in the UK, I'm talking about, are not giving, being given any concession by the UK government. So, in other words, if they've got a postponed course and they want to come in October, which is when we hope that a lot of schools, you know, up to 60% of our member schools, we hope, judging from our recent survey, will be open by then. Um, they're going to have to apply for a whole new visa, including, you know, providing all their financial documents, etc. So go for all that rigmarole again. They can't just get their visa extended, their validity period, and also they're going to have to pay again. So we are definitely lobbying on this point to say, you know, it's not really fair, given that the government has said that no one wishing to travel here should be disadvantaged because of the lockdown and because of the pandemic. That was a, a statement of intent from the government at the time. And it seems as though, you know, there are hundreds, possibly thousands of students that will be disadvantaged. So that's one issue. I mean, obviously, you've got the quarantine issue that we've already mentioned as well. And the fact that that could suddenly be extended to other other nations without much warning, and that might kill off any nascent markets. Um, as, as James said, Latin America is a continuing problem. We're also concerned about um, certain Asian countries where there are concerns there that they don't really want to come to Europe, they don't really want to come to UK. And so that might mean that those markets remain weak until 2021. Okay, so it sounds like there's still quite a lot more the government can do to support language centres in the UK. David, is there anything further you'd like to see the Irish government doing on the visa front? By and large... MEI schools have sort of written off the rest of 2020 in terms of business. You know, there, there is a focus on 2021, and if anything does turn up in 2020, well, then it, it's a sort of a bonus. Like uh, mentioned, 
by uh, Ewan and by James, there is a concern about Latin America, in particular Brazil and Mexico, where there are high infection rates. Now, neither of those countries are visa requiring for Ireland, but the government is very nervous of what they call high risk countries sending, you know, anybody, including students to Ireland. So there is a, a certain pressure being put on the schools to postpone and delay uh, registration from students from high risk countries. Now, obviously, because they don't need a visa, the government can't stop them and they won't. The main reason is that we don't have a red list. Uh, and I think the main reason for that is because the U.S. would be on it and they don't want to in any way discommode uh, United States. So um, that is a fear and that is a great worry because our 2019 statistics showed that Brazil and Mexico, but mostly Brazil, represented over 50% of our adult student market. So that's a huge proportion of of business. So we, we have to be, you know, delicately work with the government because um, when, you know, we have no choice if we are to continue to accept students. Now, schools can begin, you know, allowing students to arrive from next Monday, but they are students who may be returning, who went home during the lockdown. We still haven't had any progress on new students being allowed to register and arrive. But uh, it's very difficult. The government can't ban them because there isn't a ban facility, but uh, there is pr kind of pressure being put on schools in terms of public health concerns to delay any registration from high-risk countries. As we move towards a post-COVID world, uh, how does the outlook look for uh, as students start to travel again? Let's start with Malta. Uh, how, do, how does next summer look based on the trends that you're seeing? Obviously, I do not have a crystal ball. I would love to have a crystal ball and tell you exactly how it's going to be look like. However, I think it's very difficult to answer that question for one reason, depending whether there will be a vaccine or not. I think uh, if there is a vaccine, I think we will be looking at some sort of normality. I'm, I'm sure they're not the same numbers that we had in previous years but it will be close to or maybe more conservative numbers, but it will create a more of a safer environment. If there is no vaccine, obviously the situation is very different because uh, that means that we might be still dragging and uh, closing up and opening up according to the numbers situation. We are very positive, obviously. As an island, we've been trying to keep as positive as possible, and we are hoping that next summer will be an okay summer, uh, obviously not our same numbers as previous years, but we are hoping that things will be uh, by the time a bit in control. Maybe a vaccine will be, we know that there are testings going on and this will give us uh, hopefully a good summer. David, I know MEI recently published the recovery plan detailing the economic fallout from COVID-19. What is the outlook for the ELT market in Ireland? Um, well, I think very grim. We would estimate from current losses that we're about 85, 90% down in terms of business and in terms of revenue. And we don't see any great pickup for 2020. Our busiest month of every year is July. And then our second busiest month is March. 
and that's the closed groups, usually juniors or closed groups coming in from uh, Italy, Austria, Spain. Um, now, that's when it was the start of that this year. The, the you know business stopped the end of February, so there was no spring and no summer this year. So, I mean, schools that are in hibernation are hoping that by March of next year, there'll be movement again from juniors. However, you know, I, I, it may be wishful thinking, and it's like James says, it's dependent on a vaccine. But airlines, you know, airline companies, they're not expecting any huge uptake in flight. I think it's consumer confidence is the matter, is the problem. Even if there is a vaccine, people might be afraid to get on a plane. And airlines themselves are not anticipating any huge uptake in you know, passenger numbers well into 2021. So we're not terribly hopeful. There is, if I may go back to the visa issue, one other slightly sort of kind of worrying issue for us is that we have, for visa requiring students, they have the option or the possibility of doing part-time work. In other words, 20 hours a week uh, during term and then uh, 40 hours or full-time during holiday period. And a lot of our international students come because of that option of being able to work. Now, if the economy isn't open and if restaurants and hotels and the hospitality industry isn't up and running, well, then there won't be any part-time work. There won't be any part-time jobs. So the option that students might have had to come study and do some part-time work won't be there. So that's for us a further, if you like, uh, added danger to the whole situation. Okay, so it sounds like a tricky couple of years ahead in Ireland. In the UK, whilst language centres are affected in a similar way to Ireland, you also have the looming complication of Brexit. English UK and its recent Im impact report suggested that recovery will be underway possibly beyond 2022. Yes, I mean, in our impact survey, 75% of the membership, I think, estimate that 2021 will see a 40 to 60% recovery based on 2019 volumes. So that's the kind of state of the market and maybe not even a full recovery in 2022. Um, yes, if there is a vaccine, then that'll, that'll help things considerably. But the fact that EU, EEA students are being brought into the underlying immigration system is, is a big concern in a number of areas. For a start, they won't be able to come here and work part-time even if there was work available for them that ends entirely free movement of people ends and also there's a range of other problems that they might face for example a lot of juniors come in at the moment from the eu and there's about 150,000 of them a year that do and 90 percent of them come on id cards on national id cards some of them don't have passports because they're used to traveling around the eu 27 they don't need a passport if, as the government has indicated from 2021, they have to come in on passports, that might create an issue. They might decide to go to another country, such as Ireland, because that would be easier for them. Particularly if you have a group of 30 students, for example, if only one doesn't have a passport, that could create a problem for that group. So we are lobbying furiously on this. And in fact, we've put an amendment in to the immigration bill that's now passing through the House of Lords and will complete in September. So there's a lot of lobbying effort to have but uh, to, to come on those areas. Okay, thanks for that, Ewan. Is there anything you'd like to add from the Irish perspective? Can I just say, one of the uh, 
big changes that I think we will find, it may apply to others, is that suddenly government is central. We're all broke. The schools have no money. They're looking for handouts. And it's the government is distributing the money. So it's a question of he who you know, pays the piper, calls the tune. So I, I do feel that there's going to be a big turnaround, certainly that the state will now be the, the boss. Uh, and we'll all have to, I don't know if the word is kowtow, but we all will certainly have to moderate our attitude towards the interference or otherwise of state or agencies in our business. And I think that may be a permanent feature from now on. So you're predicting greater state intervention in ELT in, in Ireland, possibly yes. in other sectors too? Yes, greater control, greater regulatory oversight. I mean, that's good in terms of regulatory oversight, but just in terms of total control. And I think there is a suspicion that they will want to siphon a lot of business into the universities, into their own state institutions. Interesting. Uh, is that likely to happen in Malta? As you are aware, Malta has a, a regulatory body, the ELT Council, which has been already a licensing officer. So uh, the schools have already been in a situation where checks have been done by the government and uh, being updated. As felt, we are also part of the ELT Council. And so this situation, we are not feeling it uh, because we have already been under the the government, so to say, uh, sphere. Regarding maybe directing it towards the, the government institutions, till now, till now we are not feeling that for one reason, because the government is trying to assist the private entities, especially since I believe that the private entities are the ones that give them more taxes, after all, because the, when it comes to universities and our tertiary education that are governed by the government, those are fully supported by the government himself. So obviously the government needs the income from the private sector. And for this reason, I think the government is assisting us in order to ensure that we are once again uh, autonomous and obviously continuing pushing towards uh, getting the numbers. Great. Okay, thanks for that, James. Thank you, everyone, for your time. Some interesting points to take away from our discussion there is ELT markets in Europe start the long road to recovery, which will go well beyond 2022. The pandemic has forced some governments to take more supportive stances towards student visa policy by offering extensions to those who, due to travel restrictions, cannot return home. It will likely require continued support in other areas to help ELT industries continue their recovery and avoid further closures. Thank you very much for joining us today on the ISIF Exchange podcast. If you haven't already, please do take a moment now to subscribe by your favourite podcast player so you can listen on the go or get automatic updates on when the next episode's available. To continue with the discussion, why not check out our series of webinars at isef.com forward slash webinars, where we have a collection of presentations from renowned industry professionals on topics currently impacting the world of international education. For now, we'll say goodbye and look forward to hosting you again soon on the next episode of the ISEF Exchange.